0: Welcome to The Athlete Diaries, I'm your host, Guy Walker. On this podcast, I take you through the journeys and challenges of professional athletes, from resilience to mental health and life away from sport. On today's episode, we head over to Japan, where we speak to Soccero back Thomas Dean. Thomas has an incredible story. Born in Kenya, he moved over to Australia with his mum, brothers and sisters, leaving his father behind, who was a well-known doctor in Kenya. Thomas and his family had to integrate into a new society which wasn't an easy feat. His resilience and leadership really does shine throughout this chat. He credits a lot of his success and achievements to his mum and his siblings. He's a very well-traveled young man that has had experience with Holland and Japan's biggest teams. Graham Arnold has played a big part in Thomas's football and his leadership skills, working together as captain and coach to help the Australia's Olly Roos qualify for the Tokyo Olympics. The story Thomas shared, which stuck out to me the most, was his Socceroos debut. Him and his best mate, Awu Mabil, both born in Kenya, who grew up together and went to school together, both made their Socceroos debuts where Thomas set up Awu's first goal in a 4-0 win. Thomas Deng, welcome, welcome to the Athlete Diaries, mate. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me, mate.
0: How's uh how's everything going at the moment, mate? You're over in Japan. How's uh, isolation yeah. and, and how's uh what what's Japan like at the moment? Give us a little bit of of your world in isolation at the moment.
1: Yeah, at the at the beginning was it was quite tough um, because we played one league game and then the league got stopped for about two three months and um, we had to train on Zoom. So <laughs> you can imagine that the whole team on Zoom in little little boxes and <laughs> trying to follow what the the condition coach is doing and. Um, it wasn't ideal, but that's that's what we had to do at, at the time and uh, Japan is pretty bad as well um, if you consider the the numbers and um, it's increasing every day as well and um, the most affected place is Tokyo um, with so much people and it's a very populated place uh, and also at our games we're still getting what five thousand fans as well. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too sure uh, how they're, they're trying to contain this, uh, this pandemic, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't yeah. seem like they're trying to contain it at all, do they? No,
1: nah, not at all. Not at all.
0: But um, other than and that, mate, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. What's it like for you at the moment over in a, in a foreign place without family? What are, what are your conditions at the moment? Whereabouts? Are you living with a teammate? Are you living by yourself? Like what's going on yeah. there?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm living alone. I got a two bedroom apartment. Um yeah. the, the reason I, I decided to live alone was because we were meant to have the Olympics um you know starting last month. Uh, yeah. so like family was meant to be here, you know, my mom and my my brothers and you know, misses as well. So and then that got rescheduled, um which was was quite shit, but um Yeah. Yeah, it, it was difficult in the beginning like moving here and um it's a it's a total, you know, different culture and The language barrier as well there's not many people that speak english um but now like uh, i'm starting to get used to it and learning a little bit of japanese as well (laughs) helps uh but yeah the the club's been great and uh, i'm fitting in really really well
0: yeah good what what is that like mate because so many of us like a lot of athletes around the world like we don't have to to deal with language barriers and don't even have to think about things like that like What's it like sort of going into a team and not knowing how to communicate with with your teammates and how does that work is there a translator at the club or what's going on there
1: Yeah so um there's a, there's two tra- uh, translators there's one for me and uh, another dutch guy um yep. and then there's a, there's another guy that uh that's there for the you know the brazilian players and they speak portuguese so yeah i think that that definitely helped big time because in the beginning even even the names um was so was so difficult for me um you know playing in practice games and you can't really communicate or you can't tell you know people or call their names so it was was a bit frustrating but like now i've been here for a few months now i've gotten to know everyone you know i speak to them a little bit as well my translator
0: what what have you uh what have you learned in japanese just the
1: just just the simple words you know like good morning and how are you ohio gozaimasu you know uh things like that yeah and little just a very smart man to pick that up yeah, i have a bit dry, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Took
1: some time, but yeah, finally got it.
0: <laughs> um, Mate, we'll revisit um, a few of them things you were talking about later with the um, Olympics and stuff coming up. I think something that, that was awesome for me to, to read about you um, was sort of the way that you got to where you got to. So can you give us a little bit of, of where you were born and, and sort of how you got to Australia and, and a little bit about your journey?
1: Yeah, so I was born in, in Kenya, Nairobi. Um, in 1997, and you know, my parents are uh, both South Sudanese, um, and you know, we decided to move to Australia when I was six six years old. Um, so in 2003, we we lived in Adelaide first in South Australia. Um, yeah, and it was it was good growing up there. We had we had like small family as well that were living here. So that was mainly the reason that we come, um, and also for our parents like to give us more opportunities as well. and you know they sacrificed so much for us. Um, yeah, it was, and yeah, getting off the plane and coming to uh, you know to a land that you're not really um, really familiar of it was it was uh it was quite difficult at the time. But um, you know I had my, my older brothers, I had three older brothers and older sister, and you know we we're we we're pretty tight. We were, we we're always together, and um, yeah, that that made it a bit more easier. And, I started playing, um, me and my older brother, Peter, we started playing in uh, in Adelaide for a club called Adelaide Blue Eagles. That's when yeah. we started playing uh, for a club. And, you know, from there, just uh, everything went so fast and um, ended up moving to uh, Melbourne in the 2011. And uh, I'm, I went to a school um, uh, on the west side. And there, like, I made a few friends and I basically followed them to... One soccer club one day after training, uh, after school, and it was a division three club called Western Eagles, and I, I ended up staying there for two years, um, started playing in the senior team at 15, getting kicked the shit out of, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was a good learning curve, and then I decided to go to Green Gully, which were yeah. um, a top team in Victoria, and um, they were playing in the top division. And that's when I got noticed by uh Melbourne victory youth team and the coach darren davies at the time he he invited me to um to come for trials. I went for the trials uh went for about six weeks and yeah made made the squad and i was stoked came home uh dropped my bags you know told my whole family and yeah they were, they were really happy for me and um yeah it was exciting ended up playing uh with the youth youth team played in the youth league and um yep. also the npl setup which was the first year that the the youth teams played and and then i got signed with the first team uh, for two years yeah, well, which was, yeah which was good
0: yeah so, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah so, it. so what, what what's that like so did you move over with all your family or did did anyone stay back um in yeah. kenya what, what, what was it what was happening there
1: yeah my so my dad at the time he was he was a doctor so he was always traveling and mainly yep. it was it was my mom that was looking after us so he he uh made the decision to stay back. Um, you know, he had a good job back home and you know, he, he thought it was a better decision to stay and to let us go yeah. and eventually he was gonna come. But uh sadly in two thousand seven he passed away. Um, you know, so that was quite difficult for us. Um, but yeah, it was uh we realized what he was trying to do and he, you know, he sacrificed himself for his kids.
0: Yeah, mate, that's incredible, just because like the sacrifices that that you've had to make isn't uh, like a lot of a lot of people that have to make them sort of decisions like how hard is it um just to to be to have to move to another country make new friends um mm. in the media sometimes um Sudanese kids aren't actually portrayed um with with justification really is it like how hard mm. is that to sort of go into schools and and then sort of get judged straight away without people um getting to know you at all
1: yeah i think Early on, it was a bit better, um, in two, like back then in 2003 and four. You know, when it was quite early, um, so, uh, and we were lucky that we had football as well. You know, we uh, we went to a, like a language school as well for the first two years, and yeah. you know, everyone there, you know, we we love football and we got around each other at lunchtime and recess. We, so it was it was kind of like. Um, a great way to make friends without really speaking you know just just playing the game what you love and yeah i think that really that really helped us to uh integrate
0: yeah mate that's pretty cool like what are what are what are your brothers and sisters doing now what are they doing for for jobs or studying what's going on there
1: so my brother works in the juvenile uh system uh he works at parkville um, so I've, I've been in a few times because Melbourne Victory have a, a program there. That I think they run yeah. it every Thursday. So I've been in a few times, and he he's also called me to go in and you know speak to the boys or to play a few times, uh, you know, at, at lunchtime with them and you know just just to speak to them and get to know them. And yeah, I think that's uh, it's been great. And my older sister is a yeah. she's a registered nurse. Um, she she now has her own company, and you know she runs that by herself and. She's got four kids, which is quite busy. And my other brothers, uh <laughs> like my oldest is uh he was quite sick. Uh he got sick a while ago, you know, he had some mental issues and stuff. Yeah. But now like he's he's getting a lot better and and then my uh my third brother, he's uh yeah, he's he's still studying and he's quite a smart guy, but he's still trying to figure it out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mate, that's incredible to to see where you where you've come from, and and look at all your brothers and sisters, and sort yep. of have to integrate into into another society, another country. Like, look how incredibly well you've all done. And I read somewhere as well with your brother that works at the juvenile um, center, like you are giving up a hell of a lot of time to to give back to to some of them kids that may be struggling um, with their time and with with life in general. Like. How yep. have you been able to to build trust with them and sort of help them um, back to a back to a path where they might be able to sort of get out of the, the, the detention center?
1: Yeah, I think for for a lot of the kids, um, you know some of them have made mistakes um, you know that that they regret and it's just about you know speaking to them and, and getting to know them and um, I don't really when I go there, I don't really um, try to push up on them. I, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to speak about anything, how their day is and how they're finding things and, you know, what they want to do when they, when they get out. And uh, yeah. that's, I think that's, that's the main thing that they want, you know, someone to just to care and to speak about, um, to speak to them and um, get to know them. Uh, that's, that's the main thing. And eventually, mm. you, you know, you earn their trust and they'll, they'll open up to you and get to know you a bit better. And it's also good to, to see a, unfamiliar face, you know, someone that, um, you know, like a sports person and you know, sometimes I saw the Melbourne Demons boys in there as well. So uh which is yeah. good. I think it's oh, really? it's great for the kids, yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's great, mate. Like what 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 sort of perspective and, and gratitude does it does it give you as well to sort of walk in there and, and see some kids that are struggling and then to be able to go back to to lives that we live sort of as athletes and you sort of get to go back and play football and earn money doing your dream job. Is it Is it sort of beneficial for you as well to go into these facilities and try to help people out, but it give you a bit of perspective at the same time?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, I think it's great to use the the platform that I that I that I'm at 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 the moment, and um, there's no better way than to to give back to the community and to these younger kids that could be you know struggling at the time, and um, you know they need a helping hand. So if I if I'm able to you know to to help one or two of them, then um, I'm happy. And you know I, I can I can go on with my career and, and you know and be here yeah, and be be very grateful for for this opportunity that I have. Yeah, mate,
0: that, that that's yeah. awesome. Let's let's revisit um, your debut for Melbourne Victory. What was it like coming through all the pathway systems and and your journey through through Australia and then to get to get picked by the Melbourne Victory to make your debut? How did that that all come about? Was there a phone call that you got? What was that about? Yeah.
1: And what was what was the, the the I remember the first time I sat on the bench was against Central Coast. Didn't come yeah. on, but just uh, yeah, just being able to be in the squad and to sit on the bench with you know these these players that you you know you've been looking at for years and you'd love to play with you know the likes of Archie Thompson and you know your, your Lee Broxhams and you know your Carl Valeries and finally you're there and you kind of feel like a like a little kid. <laughs> but yeah it was uh, yeah, it was very exciting and then I I ended up making my uh, my debut against Adelaide as well which was special yep. in Adelaide um you know my family was there and um yeah, it was just I uh, yeah I just felt like a kid again um back in his hometown and you know he, yep. his family's there watching and then eventually I made my starting debut against Melbourne, Melbourne City um yep. in the derby about, yeah in the derby yeah at Etihad Stadium so it was about 40 Forty-two thousand people there. Um, yep. I was shit nervous, <laughs> but yeah, um, we uh, played a good game and we ended up winning three-two. So it was a it was a good start to my career.
0: Yeah, wow, that's that's awesome, yeah. mate. And then what what did the the next year entail with with victory as well? Until you till you made your move over to Holland.
1: Yeah, so that year I and mean, then um, it basically started from there. And then I, um, you know, I was I was still young at the time and inexperienced. So I was a bit in and out some some games and. Yeah. Um, I understood that, you know, there was, there was still a bit of work to put in and, um, you know, there was, yeah, there's a lot of work to put in and I, even though I started playing, I think I played 13 games and that's when I went to, um, to Holland and I got the opportunity um, when I went away with the, with the Oli Ruse for the first time when I was 18. Uh, I, got, I was a late call-up. I think the, some players pulled out and travelled to Qatar with the team and, uh, yeah, played against Vietnam and played a very good game and yeah that's when i got noticed and they contacted my agent and yeah we we made the move there
0: yeah where wow. so it's it a massive quick. move as well isn't it to go yeah. to to go to holland as well back into into really where football is massive in europe what was that yeah. like compared to the victory what's it like going to and it's not a small club either like psv yeah. massive club what was that like
1: very nerve-wracking um as you said it's a it's a massive club yeah. it's, mm. uh, they produce you know very big plays, you know, your, your Memphis to Depay, and, you know, Re- Brazino Ronaldo was there, he was a top striker, mm-hmm. Romario, some big plays have come through there. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was, it, was a, it was a massive opportunity just to go and learn and, and, you know, to mature as a player. And till this day, I still have friends there, I still, you know, keep in contact with them, and um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that, for having that opportunity.
0: Yeah, well, mate, that's that's yeah. pretty cool, isn't it? Like, in this time as well that you moved to Holland, I don't imagine family would have travelled with you, and and you were still quite young. So, what was it like yeah. being so young and and flying to a place where you firstly you you probably didn't know the language of of, of Holland, and what was yeah. what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, it was, it was difficult. Um, without having my family there, I was living alone, so I had to learn how to cook my meals and to get myself <laughs> up for training, and you know, drive myself and make sure I'm not late and things like that so um, I think the things that made it a bit easier was that um, in Holland and Scandinavia they speak um, English you know so a lot of people speak English so that made it a bit a bit easier and um, you know I got as once I got to to know a few players and um, I began to you know build a, a good relationship with some of them and you know I speak to them till now and a lot of them are in the first team and in other clubs as well in holland and, and doing really yeah. well so it's it's good
0: yeah, yeah. man it's pretty cool what, what sort of what sort of knowledge and what sort of did you take out of out of holland what was the training like because i saw somewhere that you said it was a little bit of a step up from victory how do you mean that it was a
1: step up it was just like uh every training was different so like what we did yesterday it would be completely different to to to, 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 to today so yeah. um so it was just about um, getting used to the the training, the intensity, and um, you just had to stay um, i don't know, just stay on your feet all the time because you didn't know what to expect, and then whenever we played games in training, um it felt like it was an actual game you know you, you know you would have your best mate tackling the shit out of you, and you, you know they'll tell you to get up and, and that's just the um the environment you know they that, that they breathe, you know so it's basically survival of the fittest um and you you kind of have to look after yourself and you know really believe in yourself as well um to to make it out of there
0: yeah because soccer is such a it's a crazy game isn't it because you guys are traveling around so many times and it could be literally you could be somewhere one year and some year the next and somewhere else the next year like it, it is pretty brutal like that how brutal is it in somewhere like europe where Players are trying to secure big contracts. Um, yeah. Is there good cultures at clubs or is it really hard to sort of get a gauge on it?
1: It's pretty hard to get a gauge on it. Um, yeah. But as you said, like uh, we spoke about it earlier a little bit, you know, you, you're going there to take someone's someone's job, someone's opportunity. So they're not going to give it up easy, you know. And um, for a lot of us that do go over there, especially Australians, they they think, oh, you guys are good at footy or cricket or rugby. You know, you don't play soccer, so um, it's about proving yourself again. Um, And you kind of have to be better than than them to get to get an opportunity. You can't be the same, so that's why for me, like it was it was difficult and to to get an opportunity because um, for a lot of them, I I was probably on par, and they didn't. um, For the club, they they didn't they didn't see me as like a, a player that was worth what they wanted um so that's that's why i i decided to come back to australia and just get the get the games and um get the momentum in, and yeah just to just to improve there's no better way to improve than into than playing games i didn't really care about the level it was just about me
0: yeah yeah, mate, yeah. that that's that's definitely right isn't it sometimes if you you don't learn as much if you're not actually on yeah. the field and then you brought on how did how did the japan move come about You've you've gone to Probably one of the biggest teams in, in Japan. Like, how did that move all come about? And, and was it a shock to you, or did you actually want to go over there?
1: No, I was, uh, I was buzzing at the time when I think uh, I was away. So I got injured with victory. And then I just got back um, before we went away with the under 23s, Oli Ruse, we had the Olympic yeah. qualifiers in Thailand. So I was away for uh, about a month. And, you know, I, I was still expecting to come back to victory. And then, um, you know, we were doing well in the tournament. And, um, you know, we ended up finishing third uh, behind Saudi Arabia and, you know, and South Korea. Um, and I think it was the last game against Uzbekistan. My agent, he called me, I think, earlier that day. And he said, Oh, there's a club that's looking at you and a um, Japanese club. So make sure you play well. Um, so, yeah, played no the pressure, game. Though. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> played the game, played well, and uh, we ended up, you know, winning the game, and we uh, we, we qualified for the Olympics. And then straight after, uh, I get back, I look at my phone, and he goes, "Oh, what number do you want?" <laughs> so I, I kind of knew um, that, uh, yeah, I was I was I was going to sign there. And then the the next morning we travelled. I uh, they uh, rebooked my my flight to Tokyo, so I flew here for the for the medical. Um, got that done in in a day, and then. That night, went straight to the airport again and flew back to Melbourne and started packing my stuff. So it happened uh, like that.
0: Yeah, man. So that's, that's so crazy, isn't it? Like the pressure on you guys as well when a club's looking at you to try to play well. Is it? Is it almost quite like, is it quite anxious for you to to think that if i play well or if i don't play well or something like that in a couple of games or at the end of the year i might be shipped off to a complete i might should be shipped off to around the world
1: yeah it's 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 quite crazy um for me like i I like to know if my agent asked me like would you like to know if if the club's looking at you or not and i say yeah like i don't i don't mind like i like that added pressure and yeah. End of the day, like if I play well, if I don't play well, it's it's entirely up to me. So if the opportunity doesn't come, that's fine. I'm I'm sure something else will come, uh, you know, later on down down the track. So I don't try to, to to focus too much on it, because I think that will affect your game.
0: And now a message from our amazing partner, Mendel. The Athlete Diaries is proudly supported by Mendel. A Melbourne-based, non-for-profit apparel label aimed at igniting conversations and raising awareness around men's mental health. All proceeds from sales go directly to a charity of the month. With the discount code AD20, just for our listeners, you can join the Mendel movement today with 20% off at www.mendel.com.au. Yeah, yeah mate, I, I think looking from your life um, from the outside, it like, you have been such a great leader and had to to come through um, so much resilience um, throughout your your life so far, and even just listening to you there, sort of speaking about if you wanted to know if a club's looking at you and you wanted the added pressure, I know a majority of players probably would not want to know just because they don't yeah. like having that added pressure. So, do you yeah. think that sort of all the events in your life so far and having to to go through and go through some difficult changes in your life that it has made you a better leader and, and made you more resilient?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think well, all the all the difficulties and all, all the hurdles that I've battled so far and, you know, what my family's been through, all that my mum sacrificed, you know, a single mother yeah. raising five children, it's not easy. Um, so every time I step on the field or um, every time that I find something so difficult, I think about, you know, what I've been through and what my, my family's been through. And basically, yeah, I just... Um, I brush it off, and I'm like it's it's not it can't be as difficult as what they've been through, so um yeah. yeah it's yeah it's it's quite it's quite difficult at times, but um, you know, I'm still learning, I'm still young, and there's a there's a lot of room to to grow, yeah, you just gotta yeah, gotta take it step by step, yeah.
0: Yeah definitely and and obviously your, your leadership qualities have been been seen within the Olly Roos like you've been skippering that side and took them to the Olympics mate what was that like to to firstly lead a team uh, at the Olly Roos and then also yeah. qualify for the Olympics
1: as is such a, such an honor you know to represent your country and to to make it all the way to the Olympics is uh, um, you know that's the main stage that's where you want to get yeah. to and as a player these are, these are the games that you you want to play in and the tournaments you want to play in. So, um, you know, and also qualifying after, I think, 12 years. So it's, uh, I think it's something so big. Um, and, you know, to I, I give it up to all the boys that, you know, we're, we're in Thailand with us and also the boys that when the recent camps, you know, they, they work really hard. And, um, you know, this is the reward that we got from all the hard work that we put in and also to to graham arnold and, and Rene, as well coming in um the soccer staff all of them um you know taking their time to to work on us and you know to re- really showing their their belief in us um helped us a long way and we could yeah, not have done it without them
0: yeah man that, that that is so cool like that's bloody pretty impressive that you haven't made it for 12 years and you've not only been a part of it, but actually lead the team to to qualify for for the next Olympics. Like it's a shame that um, it's not going ahead this year, but it will be going ahead next year. I'm, I imagine. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, mate. That's going to be so cool. Like, what what sort of um, values and what sort of skills did you learn leading that team and, and being around people like Ray Arnold, who have so much knowledge and experience? What have you taken away from from leading that team and and, and people like
1: him? Yeah, like um, for him, like uh, he, he's the he's the one that you know brought me in for my soccer's debut. You know, he, he's brought me into the to the Socceroos camps multiple times, and you know we've had so many chats about you know about me and um, where I could end up, and you know what I can do to improve. And um, you know one of the things that he said a while ago was that he wanted me to you know to lead the the Uluru's team and to get us to the Olympics. And every camp that we that we went to, that was the main focus: get into the Olympics. What do we need to do, or what steps that we that we need to take? And you know, really, you know, listen to him and the experience that he has, and he's played at at, at the Olympics as well. Um, so he's he's always telling us that he gets invited to uh, to some special dinner <laughs> every <laughs> year or something. So and you know, he shows us you know pictures of, of players that have. You know, played for the Olly Roos at Olympics and the careers that they've they've gone to have, and um, I think it it just gives us so much motivation and um, and it, yeah, it's it's a good way to to illustrate you know where we can where we can be.
0: Yeah, what was that like, mate, for you to to pull on the the Australian jersey to make your Socceroos debut? It's I imagine it's a boyhood dream for you. What was that like?
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a massive honour, massive honour, and you know. Um, when when we made the the debut, it was also my mate uh, Awa Mabil, who's now playing yeah, in uh, in Denmark. Cool. Yeah, so me and him we we grew up together in Adelaide, which is uh, oh, quite I... special. Yeah, so we went to the same school, lived in the same you know, neighborhood. So that day, um, you know, I was I was speaking to him on the bus. I said, "You're going to score when you come on," and he's like, "Nah, you 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 you're joking, whatever." And then uh, yeah, he comes on and he scores. Um, And, you know, we we end up celebrating together and it just felt like, you know, it was was like we were kids again playing in the park. Um, And it was, uh, yeah, something really special, an iconic moment, especially for the younger generation that are aspiring to, you know, to be footballers and uh, to to see, you know, two South Sudanese Australians is, is special.
0: Yeah, that, that must be literally be the first time that's ever happened that two South Sudanese boys sort of relocating to Australia, childhood yeah. mates to debut in the same game It you talk about fairy tales, but like they don't really come more of a coincidence and better than that. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, is, do you still speak to him and, and what are you two doing now? Like, are you both still looking to be role models to, to the communities and, and helping out um, the Sudanese communities in Australia?
1: yeah me me and him were very close so we're always yeah. in, in contact um even though you know we are many many kilometers away <laughs> from each other um but yeah we're, we're always constantly speaking you know about you know what we want to do and um i think every time that we, we when we play our club football or is for the country we're not only representing ourselves we're representing you know our communities and um yeah. it's a it's a message massive honor and it's something special um, because I know for a lot of these kids, um, and for me as well, when I was growing up I didn't have you know someone that was in in my community playing at the top level, and to see that on TV it's something special and yeah so that's why we're we're, we're trying to use our platform and to give back um, to these younger kids and you know kind of create a pathway that they can they can follow or aspire to follow.
0: Yeah, mate, that that that's awesome. Like, I can even see now, like you're still so young, but like you're just so advanced for your years in the ter- in terms of maturity and and leadership and and wanting to give back, mate. It, it's pretty inspiring. What what are you doing now um, away from sport? It's probably hard not being in Australia, but what are you doing to keep busy and and to sort of upskill away from sport? Well,
1: the last few months have just been, uh, you know, watching a few documentaries on Netflix, yeah. and you know. Yeah. You know your podcast. Um, Mike Tyson's got a good one, a hot boxing with Mike Tyson. There's been yep. a few, few good, uh, few good people on there, and um, you know, just trying to gain a, a lot of knowledge and just always reading and things like that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, mate. That it, it must be hard as well. Like thinking about it now for you guys that travel around so much, it must even be hard to do things like uni, even though you can do it online. sometimes if you're say in japan or or somewhere where there's a massive time difference and you need to be somewhere that must be really difficult is that is that something that you found that you want to be able to do something but you can't because you're always traveling around
1: yeah that's 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 the one problem that i always have you know i speak to my family and you know my brothers and stuff and they they say all the time you know you should do something you should study or and i don't think they understand you know fully you know how busy your schedule is and You know, and when you do have time, you just feel so tired um, from training and Mm -hmm. so much games. And now we're playing, I I think, two to three, two to three games a week. So it's just it's about you know looking after your body and um, yeah, it's it's it will be a lot of strain on the body. Um, But I I always tell them, you know, I'm still young. I can do that. I can do uh, anything after my career. I can study. It doesn't matter. Um, Just have to be you know smart with my money and. To invest and yeah that's that's the main thing to do at the moment
0: yeah definitely mate yeah i think it's it's, yeah. it's if you look at it you have probably only got 10 to 15 years to sort of get the most out of your career that you possibly can and, and you're definitely going about it um the right way and, and sort of taking opportunities mate yeah. I, i've i've always wanted to go to japan i've never been um is have you had chance to sort of get out or did you sort of get there and and straight into lockdown
1: uh, I haven't. I haven't had much much time to get out, yeah. but I, I've been. I've yeah. been to Tokyo. There's there's a few good spots there, and um, you know, the players have been telling me about Mount Fuji. Um, yep. so that, that's a another great place to go to. Um, and then there's a there's a place called Sapporo, which is quite nice. It's a different climate to here because right now it's pretty humid. Um, yep. we're heading into summer, so, but yeah, down there it's it's really nice. You know, it's next to the water. You know, you've got some nice beaches as well down in uh, Okinawa. Yeah, wow. um, So yeah, some some really good spots, but I haven't had the time to really uh, check it out. Just been to yeah. a few good restaurants. That's about it. Is that uh, <laughs> all? All the the top restaurants they've got Aussie beef here. So if you want, a, oh, want really? a nice steak, yeah, going to going to Tokyo. Yeah.
0: Yeah, nice man. Yeah, it sounds like you're in. You're enjoying your time in in um Tokyo then but yeah mate it's it's it, it's going to be an interesting sort of next couple of months for you guys with with covid happening so what's going on there so you you tra- you're going to play sort of 2 3 times a week then
1: yeah so yeah because we miss, you know um, yep. so many games because of the covid you know restriction and the period that we had off um you know they've pushed in our our, our schedule and um, we're meant to finish uh December 19th yep. so until then it's just going to be you know, you'd be playing seven, seven or eight games a month. Um, So it's it's quite difficult. But, um, yeah. yeah, Your body's in bits. Cooked. <laughs> body's going to be in bits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be coming back to Melbourne in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's good it's for me as well. Just to, just to stay busy and um, get out the house, and then time goes quicker as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And what what sort of the next sort of short term, long term goals for for you, mate? Are you looking to to travel around a little bit, or, or to sort of make that Olympic and sort of play the Olympics next year, and play a bit for the Socceroos. What are your goals yeah. made for the next sort of five to ten years?
1: Well, the the most recent one would be to you know um, to play the Olympics next year, and then yeah. you know the to play at the World Cup with the Socceroos, which is coming, um, which is isn't too far, twenty twenty two, in Qatar, and uh, yeah, and, and also just to give it another crack in Europe you know and, and try uh, yeah try go there and compete and have a yeah. you know a better career and follow the likes of you know Aaron Moy and you know, your, mm. your Matt Ryan as well which are they're doing really well and representing Australia at the top, yeah, top mate level. that's awesome but
0: yeah I I just wanted to say mate like it's not only you're doing great things in your own sport but you're doing great things in your in the suit for the Sudanese community and and what a life you sort of lived and been able to not only um, thrive in in difficult circumstances, but like you've you've absolutely done yourself and your family so much um, so much good, mate. So I'm I'm really appreciative that you came on and and we able to share your story. And I'll be definitely uh, following the the red diamonds going forward.
1: Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can listen to all other episodes at any of the podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or you could just go straight to our website at theathletediaries.net. Have a great week, guys, and stay safe.